0: Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities,
1: and our world. Hello, welcome back to this week's episode. I'm Kim Landine, one of the hosts here with Carolina Allen. Carol, how are you? So good, Kim. So good. Well, today is a topic that is both near and dear to our heart and often can be difficult to talk about um, as women and as maternal feminists. And today we get to have the privilege of talking about our tenant. We value the irreplaceable role of fathers and build interdependent relationships with men. Um, I'd be lying if I said that this wasn't probably our fourth or fifth attempt at recording this, Carol.
2: <laughs> we're just going for it. But we're just
1: going for it. And it's, we keep re-recording for a number of reasons, um, primarily because of the value that we really do see in men. And we want to be able to convey um, the faith that we have in the men in our lives and in the men in this world. We want to be able to convey the goodness that we see in them and the value that we see in them. And yet also, address some of the really hard things that come with the gender power dynamics that have historically been around. Right. And so it's kind of been an interesting topic. And um, we often just get on and push record and it's fun. And this one has been a little more of a challenge. I'm really excited to really dive into this and address just this fantastic tenant and a tenant that really does, if achieved, bring so much value, not only to the world, but particularly to the home.
2: Yeah, it's everything this interdependence and this harmony that can be between the masculine and feminine between men and women. Um, I think it's the solution to so much, but it's, it's fraught with a lot. It's a heavy, it's a heavy load both personally, like at a very personal level. Um, and you know, we want to be sensitive to all of the listeners and their experiences and all of the women that we represent in our organization. We want to do justice to it. So it has been, you know, a lot that we've been thinking about. So,
1: right. So I think maybe the way we start, Carol, is we just talk about um what if we start with just a man in our life that really has shown us what interdependence means?
2: Yeah, I I would love to talk about my husband, Kavika, um, because I think that in our relationship, um, there's never been uh a, a point in which I've I've seen how critical it is to get it right um and we've been married 23 years. I'm going on 24 years actually next wow. week. And um we've we've seen it all. Um I think that I can speak from a really beautiful place in a sense that we've we've overcome a lot and our marriage has not been perfect and it has not been easy and at times it's really made me uh, reevaluate and reconsider everything, you know, it's, it's my greatest source of pain and my greatest source of triumph. I'm now in a place where I can, we've done tremendous healing together as a couple, and, and in our marriage, and I can see like, how worth it it is to work through the challenges between, you know, in creating this real profound partnership. Like it's so worth it. Um, but it it's been so difficult as well. So, um, but Kavika is an incredible person in that he wants to do the hard work and he wants to improve. Not everybody in the world is like that. So I feel really fortunate that um that I have a husband and a, a father of our children that wants to be there and wants to um wants us to be the center of his life and I believe that it's strictly because of his faith in God that that's given him the drive to say like I need to do this for my family I want to do this for my family and I want to improve and get better and and to do better seeing him want to do that makes me want to do that and I think that that's put us in a place of humility um to move forward so I I feel like if there's ever been a tenant that I was like, wow, I don't know about this. Like I don't feel like I'm the best example. It's this one. We've <laughs> we've been through so much. But um I've never strayed from knowing that it's it's critical and and then not giving up on it and not giving up on myself, not giving up on my husband has kept our family intact and has brought us through some really hard, but beautiful things too. So I just wanted to throw that out there and be totally vulnerable and authentic.
1: Which we appreciate because Carol, like that's hard. Um, it's hard to be vulnerable in a position where you're trying to lift up these tenants. And I know we've had so many conversations between you and I over the years on at times the struggles and the joys of marriage, Mm -hmm. or as you said, that partnership with these men in our lives and It truly is. You said it's the biggest struggle and your greatest blessing. There's so much truth to that, once again, on interpersonal relationships as well as the world. This interdependency is what creates creation, Mm -hmm. the source of creation. And so having that dichotomy in relationships, which can be a strain at times, is also a beautiful thing. And we want to be able to highlight that as maternal feminists. But it's not without the messiness. It's not without... The attempts to try to figure out power differentiations and relationships and gender roles and everything else that comes along with it. Right. And so
2: the thing I wanted to share is that it gives us all the more authority to speak because it can be an interesting thing to be getting advice for the world from a group of people that have completely disavowed or just said, hey, we are not engaging with men anymore or completely writing them off from any sort of significant interaction, that doesn't give you credibility in the world because men still exist and they're still a part of this world with us. To have a feminist voice that's saying, I am in these messy trenches of a hard relationship and I'm making it work. We're, We're working on it. That gives us way more authority to speak in behalf of feminism in general. Absolutely. Because we're like, we're, we're in the trenches and we understand the plight of women in a very deep and personal way through our blood, sweat and tears. And we're in this family dynamic and we're holding it together. We're working through it. That gives us a lot of credibility and a lot of credential just in life in general. Mm-hmm. When you don't just write somebody off and you don't just say, I'm done with this. Like I'm, I'm over this. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And then you're trying to give people all this life advice. I feel like, who are you? like in a sense, I, I feel as though the women that are still in it and still engaged in the fight and in the work speak from a place of authority on life matters and on social issues because we're we're invested. you know
1: We're invested, and we often have to work through those at a personal level. How do you buy, like How do you balance finances? How do you work on career and home and family and society and All these issues that we face on a macro level, we face on a micro level in the homes with our partners. Right. You saying that reminded me of our conversation you had with Maddie Chairs a couple episodes ago where she talks about the environment. And she says, you cannot protect and you cannot speak for something that you don't personally have a relationship with.
2: A hundred percent. I love that quote.
1: It was such a fantastic quote. If you haven't listened to it, highly recommend go back and listen to the interview with Maddie Chairs. That's had me thinking on so many topics, including that of these interpersonal relationships. You talked about your husband. I've often told women before you get married to somebody, you need to go date their dad. Because so many of the attributes that I see in my husband now, 10 years later, a lot of those come from his father, but also the ones that like kind of get hidden in the infatuation and the love period. Some of the things that we've had to work through also came from his father. For better works, I love you, Mike, if you're listening to this he really is an incredible father. The person that's really affected my life has been my father-in-law because of the way that he raised his son. Mm -hmm. He was present in the home. I remember going to dinner the first time and mom was playing with some grandkids and grandpa was sitting there cooking dinner. And in a home of very traditional values that I came from, like it was a very unique thing for me to see. Mm -hmm. And my husband has continued showing up in that similar manner. He works outside of the home. But he prides himself in the way that he shows up in the home way more than he ever does outside of the home.
2: Wow, that's amazing.
1: And that came from his father.
2: Yeah. It was down. He was able to witness it and experience it and then carry that on.
1: And from everything I know, I met grandpa as he was older and kind of had some dementia, so I didn't really get to know, know him. But from my understanding, that's who he was as well. So I'm on a third generation man that values the home and sees the home and the needs of the home. The benefit that I get as a spouse and the benefit of my children to that, that's grandpa and great-grandpa influencing those things. Um, But simultaneously, I also am aware that there's men that don't have that example. The men that Mm -hmm. were not raised with that, that still fight for something better, that still Mm -hmm. show up and want to show up better than they were shown up for. You hear it all the time in the media, like, I didn't have a dad, therefore I will be the best father that I could be.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think that it's in our world today, we can more easily access examples of extraordinary men to pattern our lives after. So I think that the support is out there, but it's important to recognize that you're missing something and then to look for it and to learn from, and then apply. I think that the love that you have for your child it is the greatest love that will help you become who you need to become for them. Um, their love is so unconditional and it's so pure and it's so precious that you know we can rise to the challenge to be good mothers and to be good fathers for them. Um, they believe in us, and I think that we can we can rise to that challenge absolutely. One thing that I think about often is the word in our tenant about partnership. I think that how much better off am I when I have a partner in the work equally yoked so that I'm not feeling less than and being treated like an employee or, you know, that my husband is my supervisor and my manager. And I'm just like this operational person here in the home and reporting back to this higher authority, but that my husband is equally yoked in the work with me, where his contributions outside of the home and inside of the home are valued, and likewise with my contributions outside of the home and inside of the home, and where we can fill in for each other with our unique gifts and strengths, enlighten and the load wherever we are, and see each other as teammates. I think that that's a really beautiful way to go about doing life, and I feel Expands our influence. It expands what I can do alone. And when a woman, it feels like, you know what, I'm better off just going at it alone because this other person is leeching all of my energy, all of my self esteem, all of these other things, that I'm better off tackling all these things alone. And there's a real problem there. We need to think about life and what can I offer and give to support this other person to be the best that they can be and vice versa. And when you do those things yoked together as a team, then you're unstoppable together. Absolutely. There's really nothing that you can't both achieve together. In our moments of tremendous anguish in our relationship, um, after we've gotten on our knees and begged for help from on high we've come to the realization that we're better together than we are apart and that we just need to pan out and see the bigger picture. then it gives us that renewed desire to utilize heavenly help, um, to make it through and to see what we really can do together.
1: Absolutely. And that healing, healing is so important in that relationship. And I love how you touched on that. People don't get through life unscaled. And as we are willing to invest in the healing of our spouses and in healing of our partners, great things do come from that. And I remember it is very common in my own relationship with it. If Alan and I are doing good, like I can take on the world,
2: right? I yeah, I can do
1: literally do anything. Mm-hmm. I can get on a boat and captain ten foot seas. I can go speak in the United Nations. I can tackle home projects. But if we're not, even the most basic of tasks seems overwhelming.
2: So true.
1: And it's just that that synergy that that we've created and that trust Mm -hmm. and that yoking you talked about yoking Um, the the term originally comes from this idea of two oxen one can pull let's say a thousand pounds and if you yoke another one that can equally pull a thousand pounds together they can pull three thousand pounds it's it's godly math is what i like to call it some divine math that when you can get people working together you really can achieve more and i've seen that so I would say like, if you see me recluse, it's because Alan and I are trying to figure things out because if we're good, like I'm good. I can figure this out. Even if I'm personally struggling with things, if we're good, I'm good. Um, And simultaneously, if we're good, he's good, even if he's struggling. But if he's struggling, it weighs on me and vice versa. And I guess it's such an interesting charity, I guess is a word that we can use that really is developed in these, these very raw relationships of humanity. Carol, we need, Mm -hmm. we need fathers. Um, They are truly key players in establishing our homes. They're key players in establishing communities um, that really respect, respect women and respect girls without them. Like we lack so much. There are studies that I, that we can cite, and I'm not going to listen to any other podcast right now about the value of fathers and, You'll hear a billion different statistics about how how grades increase with father's presence in the home, how drugs decrease, how teen pregnancy decreases, how higher education increases. Like there's a hundred billion different studies on the value of fathers in the home and statistic. Um, but here at Big Ocean, we see that is that is part of it, but really it's more of the organic part of it. It's the father showing up in the home and what it does to not only academics or drug life but what it does to the soul what it does to the personal relationships how it develops people how it how it refines individuals i know my daughters often refer to my husband as their one true love and i i love that because he does such a good job honoring that love and and showing up for them the way that i hope that their spouses in the future will with their own ups and downs and their own growing but we need the men in our lives to show up and that's part of the challenge of this conversation that we keep having is It's oftentimes, Carol, that you and I talk about increasing motherhood, increasing your capacity within motherhood and within womanhood, needing to show up in the home, setting off the side. And it's easy to do that when talking with women because we're a woman, like we sit in those same shoes. But part of the conversation that we need to have is also saying that to our men because we need men not just to be in the home. We need men to show up in the home. We don't need men just to be present. Like We need men to be actively engaged in this home process and developing personally the way that we're fighting to develop as women. We need those partners.
2: One thing that I realized, I love that we're using the term fathers instead of just men, because I think that the idea of fathers um, and the idea of fatherhood, it implies a selflessness that's embedded in there, that you're living not just for yourself, but for someone else. And there's a maturity level there. We're inviting men to rise to that level of father. When you're a father, that there's something relational out in the world that exists, your child, that you would die for. And that's the kind of love and the kind of courage and the kind of strength that we need you to rise to. And same with mothers, selflessness, devotion, sacrifice. So it's it's a plea to all of humanity for us to rise in our relational roles to one another, to sacrifice for one another, to heal deep generational wounds, so that we can move forward in faith to be the very best for the rising generation. Um, and that we ha- we have to make that desirable in people, and not just to live in this kind of impotent, selfish, degenerate status where it's all about me and it's all about my needs and it's all about my wants and I'm not going to spend time or money or resources or even attention on anything outside of what makes me feel good. Absolutely. That is such a degenerated way to go about living. It's an invitation for all humanity to to live in such a way that we're just focused on relational roles. Um, How can I serve and and help you be the best that you can be, and that that's my responsibility. So we're living in a world that's focused on responsibilities and not just rights. I coached boys soccer for several seasons. These are teenage boys, high school age boys, age you know all the way from fourteen to eighteen. I noticed something really interesting. I also coach girls, and so in moments of extreme hardship, girls are very very verbal and they express and they communicate their suffering more easily and I have daughters I have sons so that gives me a real insight into the minds and the workings of boys and girls and clearly there are exceptions to the rule but generally this is what I'm seeing and in moments of extreme suffering boys are just as vulnerable but they suffer alone more easily than girls and that breaks my heart I I saw it so clearly and I actually watched I think some kind of a reel or some short or something on social media where a girl asked the question when you're hurting who do you go to and all the girls said my mom my sister my best friend blah 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 they asked the same thing to men And they just said, they they literally thought there for a second. And they could not think of one person that they could go to. So the suffering, it made me cry. I watched it and it made me cry. And the suffering is isolated. And so as a society, I think that our men and our boys are suffering. Okay, girls are suffering too. Women are suffering. But we tend to link arms and suffer together and carry that load. Whereas in every instance that I've seen, the suffering of men has been very, very isolated. And it can compound. And so sometimes we think, well, men don't have feelings. Men don't, you know, they just because they don't emote doesn't mean that they don't feel. And I would love to share this as far as it could possibly go. That men, like big ocean women, we see you. And we see your suffering. And we want to help you and invite you back to be partnered with us. And I say that with all the love I have in my heart, and I'm choked up saying it, but the thought that, you know, this whole other counterpart of the world feels so isolated and so alone, and like you have no way back that you don't belong not true like there are women out in the world that value who you are that believe in you that you can rise to the occasion that will work with you to help heal any past trauma that you have and that you have a place in this human family not only that you have a place in this human family but that you're needed that we need you and i think that that messaging has been so opposite you know since the sexual evolution is that you are not needed a woman needs, needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, right? Gloria Steinem said that. But that's a lie. That's the fattest lie that's ever been spoken. It's coming from a place of hurt, and I understand that. I mean, look at the abuse levels around the world, the rape, the, the harm, the violence that's been inflicted on women and sisters. That's coming. Those words are daggers, but they're coming from a place of deep trauma and deep wounds. But that's not to say that men have their own trauma as well. But to say that we don't need this whole other facet of our human family is a lie. And that's something that we need to come to terms with and apologize for. And say that, you know, men, boys, men, and fathers, we need you. And we we aren't going to give up on you. We're not washing our hands of you.
1: This, this cycle of hurt, the cycle of pain, the mm-hmm. cycle of rejection, and this attempt to come back together to lead to more pain to more rejection to more hurt and it's such a difficult cycle, such a difficult cycle to break and i've done i've I've attempted to try to come to the genesis of that cycle and what it really is and i've I've gone everywhere from patriarchal structure to family dynamics. To power plays, to social expectations. Jordan Peterson does a good job on breaking down um, some of the gender roles and how they've led to some of this um, separation that's occurred in the between men and women. And Carol, I think you hit it straight on the head that it's it's just this ultimate pain. Um, It's so vulnerable. These relationships with men and between men and women are so vulnerable as they're meant Mm -hmm. to be. And I think that's part of the struggle through that Mm -hmm. vulnerability, through that breaking. Yeah, um, My mind often back to how ecosystems work. And I think of this little seed that breaks open through pressure and through all of these natural forces to grow forth these massive trees. But there is that breaking that has to occur. There's pressure, there's pain, there's growth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's hard to be in that space. And at times it feels like it's extremely entangling and trapping and lacks potential and lacks a future but it's in that space that true growth, true potential, true future really exists. And these men in our lives, I, I see the pain. And you, you say that so perfectly. Like it is a privilege to be a woman who can mourn with other women. It is a privilege as a woman to be able to, to mourn with my husband, mourn with other men in my life. But I've seen that same thing where it is difficult, extremely difficult for men to be able to express those same emotions. One of the things that I would love to see happen in big ocean women is truly this acceptance. And once again, it's dichotomy. And I think it's hard to speak because I feel like I'm speaking out of two sides of my mouth. I talk about wanting to hold on and to hold on to these relationships and simultaneously out of the other side of my mouth, there's these thoughts and these ideas and these comments coming out of, but if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to protect yourself. You need to protect your children. You need to see the best Mm -hmm. in other people. You need to, you need to give mm-hmm. and to value your partner, but only, and then the other, other, out of the other side of my mouth comes, but only as so much as they're willing to give because you can't, it's a common term in the social work world. Like you cannot care more than the person cares. Um, but yet as a mom, I don't believe that. Like I often care more than my children care. And that's it's what, hard- that's what is the catalyst for their own change, the catalyst for their own development. So it's like, how do you balance this, Carol?
2: I think that's where extended community comes in Um, because a woman in crisis, a woman that's being abused, we need to trust their decision-making. They are the only ones that know how long to hold on and when to step away. And, and they are the ones that sometimes it takes years to get out of an abusive relationship because they're very carefully and meticulously weighing everything out. Um, And so we need to trust women in those situations, but always, build and strengthen that support system around her. And sometimes the best way to support her is also to be very supportive of even somebody who's abusive. Because nobody that is in their right mind and that is healthy in their self is going to be an abusive person. So even being a support system around a whole family that is struggling and just keeping a very close connection to the husband as well,
1: that is so organic is going to that is save so organic
2: and, and support the wife and the child it's true, and why do I say this? Because I've lived it because our whole family has lived some really hard things, and if it weren't for the whole broader support, not just for me but for my husband in his time of deep aloneness, because when people are completely alone and feeling um out of control is when they have the desire to hold on and control all the more. So when you can alleviate the suffering of somebody and be that parental support, unconditional loving support, even to somebody that is exhibiting some really unhealthy coping mechanisms with their own internal stuff, you can alleviate the unhealthy oh, skewing of what that is on the rest of the family. Does that make sense? I I really think that that's a great way to go about helping women who are suffering from gender-based violence is to keep a close eye and keep that supportive, nurturing care within like the broader extended family context within the the neighborhood context within the community context and just keep a watchful eye on on families, because healing does happen. And again, I can speak with authority on this. It happens with help from on high, whatever your connection is to divinity, use that. And also communities, you know, and extended families can offer that kind of support that can drive this healing mechanism. Okay, let's go back to the environmental uh, examples that we've seen. An environment that has been become barren and received a lot of toxicity and, and that is unhealthy can regenerate. It's an organic system that has built into it methods of regeneration and revitalization. The same thing is for the family. That needs to be brought in. We need to have more hope in the reparation of families and, and working with families to keep families intact and to keep them to heal, to be a vehicle to heal themselves. And I feel like it's set up for that with the extended family support and with extended community support that I think that it's possible. I, we've experienced it. We can't like the proverbial toss the baby out with the bathwater. Like families are so broken. Yes, they are. I, we understand that, but they're still worth saving and they're still worthy to save and they're it's an, it's an institution that has built within it the capacity oh, to heal with the right support. And I feel like we need to do more and talk more about that instead of just, you know, cutting things off and just separating and separating and separating. But, um, that work and that intensive care.
1: And it's so hard, Carol. Like it, it, is, it is not the normal narrative that we're hearing. I remember even, you know, sitting at a big ocean meeting um, with a couple of the leaders in big ocean talking about some print, some relationship struggles that so I'm not going to name any names, um, but there was three women, part of this conversation that I was listening to and part of, mm-hmm. and all three of us were struggling, trying to decide how to handle relationship struggles. And if we needed to separate from our spouse um, and if we needed to do exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying and At times, it led to separation in these different relationships, but I can say with confidence, all three of those relationships has done exactly what you have said could happen. They have been repaired, but there has been a massive amount of energy that has gone into them. There has been a massive amount of grace that has gone in on both directions. There's been an even more tremendous, enormous, all-encompassing social groups that have surrounded these families to lead to this healing. And so when Big Ocean, as we as Big Ocean yeah. talk about this, it's not in philosophy. It is in day-to-day practice. It is in those, those moments where we choose to believe in mm-hmm. the family, where we choose to say, do you know what? The family has hurt. And that's the one thing that I recognize with women and people in general are now seeing it with men that have disavowed family or disavowed the opposite sex is because of the trauma and the harm that they have experienced in those institutions. Like it happens. The home can be one of the most dangerous places for women and children. Yeah, it is statistically, but it doesn't mean it's not worth saving. Absolutely not. And we see that we see this desire to break up families, um, by individuals, by organizations, by society because of the trauma and the pain and the amount of work that has to go into it, it sometimes is easier just doing it alone. Let's be real. Like if you just need to get through the day-to-day motions, like sometimes that's easier, but you can't achieve what yeah. you can achieve alone that you can together.
2: Yeah, totally. But oh, But the thing is, it also opens up a whole new set of problems that you hadn't maybe. So going back to our analogy using the environment. So let's say that I have a plot of land that is completely starved of nutrients and I can't grow anything there the soil does it's not soil it's just dust and dirt and it if anytime it waters the water just runs off it doesn't get soaked in if I were to throw a seed down in there nothing would grow but with the right treatment and the right understanding that this land is worth saving and that not only that but it's it's not it's not a lost cause with the right micro you know, nutrients going in the soil and bringing a diversity of of life of chickens and rabbits and different things that um, that all of that excrement you know that we <laughs> think is trash, but all of that hard stuff <laughs> actually revitalizes the soil in a way that you know it becomes very fertile once again. And and like you said, it takes energy, it takes effort, and you can't just yeah. wash your hands of it. And then let's go to a virtual space now. Go and create a virtual garden, you know, in Minecraft. Like there's
1: just, it's you've not, got It's not, but admit, it's easier. It's not it's the easier. same thing. It's the difference it's between true. like Wonder Bread yeah, and like but- a good homemade loaf of bread. Like it's there. It's filling. It tastes okay. But the nutrients are missing. The sustenance, the substance is missing
2: but that's that's where de- generations down the road people are like <laughs> why have we been eating wonder bread this whole time. Like, because yep. sourdough, you know, good filling bread. And and so generations down the road, you know, children would be saying we lost something significant. Why didn't we fight for this better um and I think that this movement that's arising with maternal feminism and through Big Ocean Women, where we're saying this is worth fighting for, and we're going to keep fighting for this, and we're going to keep inviting men to stand next to us, not in, above us, not below us, but next to us, I think that this movement is, is not going anywhere. It's just going to gonna continue growing because it's, it's the right thing. There's no doubt in my mind it's the right thing. So men out there, anybody listening, we need you. We want you. We we can't do this alone. We need you right there next to us fighting alongside us. Become better us. with
1: us. Rise to the occasion. Be partners in marriage. Be partners in life. Be partners in rearing children. And in society and all the good things that come with that. Because we do. We need you. We need those men. Um, and I, I see that every day.
2: What? Oh, here's another
1: thing. What it does to
2: our children to see us working through it. Because what happens with, at the very, very core level of someone's identity, when they, every human being, I can say that things are shifting now through CRISPR technology, where, you know, a a human can be born of, I guess, a group of three, you know, genetic people. Um, But the way that it's always been done from the beginning of time is that one individual is part this person and that person, the father and the mother. Bits of that, if each individual have come together into one child, and for a child to see that both of their parents share an appreciation and a respect and a love for one another, there is nothing on this planet that can boost a child's self-esteem and internal self-worth and sense of identity than that that is broken it makes a que- it makes a person an individual a child question everything at a very very core l- genetic level they're like why does my mother loathe my father especially for a boy because there must be something wrong with me or my mother must not at some very core genetic level not love me and i'm saying this just from experience i'm not a psychologist and i'm not a geneticist but this is what i know Personally, um, and that I can see in my children. But when, even through strife and even through turmoil, I can turn and say, I still love and appreciate your father, my little son can feel that at a very core level. And when my husband can look to me and validate me and value my contributions, my daughters, at a very, very core level, appreciate that and it fuels their sense of identity and self esteem. So I think that our world yeah. is going through massive identity crisis of of crazy proportions, where nobody knows who they are anymore. And I think we need to uncover like the layers of where that's coming from and and take ownership over the decisions that we've made as parents. To, um, I don't know. It's a very very painful realization but perhaps it's something we need to really look at to say, how how am I contributing to the massive confusion, you know, that's happening in our younger generation where they're on on an insatiable quest to figure out who they are, but maybe that's because of trauma. Maybe that's because of generational trauma where, you know, we've got generations of the sexes being at war, you know, for, for centuries. And it's all coming to a head where people are like, I don't feel safe with this masculinity in the world. I don't feel safe with this femininity in the world. And it's, it's created, it's like open Pandora's box with, with so much confusion and unsettledness about who we are, that maybe we need to take a look at the origin of that, um, as being generational trauma, because we shouldn't, we shouldn't be, I feel like the, the quest to know who we are should not be this hard. It should just be a, a very internally peaceful state that we can then move forward into the world with confidence and with a sense of stability. And that's not the case.
1: definitely not proving to be the case and bringing it back to the home. The home can either be one of the biggest social um, struggles or really the catalyst for such amazing social change, individual or individual and social change. And so it is worth saving. Um, and that is done through these relationships. It is done through, through valuing these relationships. And as maternal feminists, we do claim, as our tenant states, We build them. It's not something that is just there. Building takes effort. Building takes time. Building takes forethought and planning. But it's worth it. When you're sitting in a warm home that's been built well, and there is the love of a family and the hearth of a fire and bread baking, Like all of that effort, all of that effort is worth it. And that is what we claim at Big Ocean Women. And as we move through this tenant this month, our call to the women is see this value in men. See the struggle, recognize the struggle. See that it is, it, at times it can be, but that there is value in the struggle. There's value of partnering with these men in our lives, of surrounding these men with love, even when they're not necessarily exhibiting the best of behaviors, because we see the value in these men. We see the potential in these men. And men, we ask you to partner with us, like truly partner with us, step up, yoke yourself beside us. Let's raise these families, let's raise society. Let's raise each other in the process. Like let's become the best us we can be by becoming the best we that we can be. Let's raise our families. Let's strengthen our societies. It's, it's we need to really
2: world changing if we can get it right and get good patterns down. And if we haven't had the best examples or the best experiences, there are people working really hard to give us those examples. So let's use them as guiding stars, people that have overcome tremendous challenges um that we we don't necessarily need to say well that's just you and that's just luck it's not it's people working hard and not giving up sure. and let's use people in our community as as good north stars and as good examples that we can pattern our lives after um so that we know how how it's done and that we can do it too um it's it's a sure. good time to be alive because these challenges We've got nowhere else to go but up. <laughs> <Right now. laughs> so what do we to have to that. lose? We don't have anything to lose. We just have to believe. I think trust that this is the right thing. It is the right thing. The family institution is mm-hmm. nothing that we should wash our hands of and give up on. We need We need to instead put all of our energy and all of our effort in sticking together.
1: Absolutely. And with that wonderful thought of there's nowhere to go, but up, Mm -hmm. let's go up. Men, we love you. We honor you. We need you. And that is, I guess, the closing remarks. Thank you guys so much for joining this week's conversation and letting Carol and I um, have this conversation. Hopefully it benefits you if you need help, if you need support, women please feel free to reach out um, to your local waves. If there's not a local wave, please jump online. We'll do what we can to support um, and build these relationships because really the family is supported by society. And Big Ocean has a fantastic model of waves, women achieving vast empowerment that come together and can help support this wonderful institution and these wonderful relationships. So please reach out. Thank you again for joining us and stay tuned for next week's episode.
0: You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters, Waves, or Women Achieving Vast Empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.